coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen. Andy Lau shoots up Centro. Hong Kong Film Critics Society hates women. HMV collapses. And we talk about the film Young and Dangerous Reloaded. Hey Kevin, I wrote this song just for you. Just for you. And I know it's a little bit short, but I suppose it'll have to do. What you gonna do? So enjoy your song, Kevin. Next time I'm getting you some stinky tofu. It's Kevin's song. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. It is Wednesday, January 16th, 2013. As usual, I'm your host, and joining me as always from his super secret location right here in the Fragrant Harbor is Mr. Kevin Ma. Wow, what what was that? (laughs) (laughs) Did you like that? Uh, That is a special song created just for Kevin. Uh, from a friend of mine on Twitter and a person I know through other podcasting circles, Mr. Johnny Feisty. And a big shout out and a thanks to him for composing that song. He is uh, He's basically doing songs for anybody that, that follows him on Twitter. And I'm, I've been following him for some time. And, um, you know, I got in touch with him. I said, hey, can you do a song for my co-host, Kevin? He said, sure. And he was more than happy. He did it up and sent it along. And uh, there you have it. You'll be hearing that from time to time. Uh, a song awesome. just for Mr. Ma. So uh, check him out on Twitter. That's Johnny Feisty. And uh, I'll be putting, I'll put, put his direct tw- Twitter link up in the show notes and as well as links to his site and some of the work that he does. He's awesome. Uh, so how are you doing, sir? Uh, good. Um, very busy, but, uh, you know, still alive. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm enjoying the, the, the peace that I have right about now. Um, because we're in this lull period, uh, my semester won't start until after Chinese New Year, so just doing a lot of you know exam marking and final essay marking, and I'm kind of getting into that point where once I start doing paper marking, I get into sort of a zone, and I can start working through stuff. And uh, so work's going along pretty smoothly. And uh, let's see, they renewed my contract again, so uh, it seems like they like me at least for a couple more years. So hey, that's all that's good. Great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just been uh, enjoying the uh, the what, what what do you call this the winter break period I guess. Um, uh, some students are probably going to come in and before Chinese New Year we're all going to go out and uh, have yum cha or have dim sum together. Uh, but other than that, other than that, everything's going smoothly. Family's good, baby's good. Um, you know, uh, not too many poopy diapers. That's all going well. So yeah, everything's uh, going good on my end. Um, are you getting excited for the, uh, the Chinese New Year holidays? Uh, I've been uh, going back and looking at some of the trailers for the upcoming films. Um, 
we've got uh, Hotel Deluxe that's coming, and uh, there was there's two trailers. There's a teaser trailer on YouTube, and now they've got the extended trailer. Um, oh, really? That's on YouTube um, now. You know, the teaser trailer was just the one that kind of highlighted the, uh, you know, the big names, but now they've got a, an extended trailer that seems to show a little bit more of, of some some of the plot, as much plot as you can have for a Chinese New Year film. And, um, and uh, yes, hello to the chat room. Uh, that's, I, I don't know, I guess this is their version of the All's Well, Ends Well film for this year. Would you say, Kevin, Hotel Deluxe? Yeah, essentially, it's it, the yearly battle is um, is Raymond Wong versus Eric Jung. So Hotel Deluxe is the Raymond Wong film. So in a way, it's it's kind of his his yeah also ends well entry this yeah. year. Now is are we getting another I Love Hong Kong this year? Yes, we are. The poster is out. Uh, even though there's no trailer, but the poster uh, went up online yesterday, and the cast I have to say once again weaker than last year because mm. um, this year they've gone back to having Alan Tam being the lead which um if we remember last time alan tam was the lead of a lunar new year movie it was here comes fortune and look how that turned out yeah well um i'll I'll be anxious to see if and when we get a get a trailer for that because it's kind of late in the in the year for new year trailers um yeah we do shooting up until really last minute and that's really you know the spirit of hong kong cinema yeah yeah uh let's see also we've got um out there currently uh the stephen chow it's not really a trailer it's sort of a making of that shows um, him working with Xu Qi and um, some of the other actors, Huang Bo, uh, on the film. And the trailer that's out there on YouTube and some of the other places is just subtitled in Chinese. But when I went to see the film we're going to talk about a bit later, um, they actually had that subtitled in English. And I've been trying to find um, a subtit- an English subtitled one to, to put up there and in some of the, like, Google Plus and some of the other circles, but I haven't been able to track one down yet. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit concerned with uh, the Stephen Chow film. And I don't, maybe you have a little bit more insight, Kevin, because when a film doesn't show much of the film, um, it, it makes me a bit worried that uh, they maybe don't want to show it because it looks bad. No, I I don't think it's a matter of that. I think Stephen Chow is just keeping things under wraps. I mean, he's giving out little bits of footage, um, including the making of. Actually, the making of gives out quite a bit already. Um, and also the the new music video with a theme song sung by Shu Chi in two different languages. May yeah. I say? Um, so showing bits bits and bits bits and pieces. He knows that he doesn't need a full trailer to attract people because it's Stephen Chow. The name it's all you need. For him, it's more important for him to show a uh, making of, to show that um, Stephen Chow is the one in charge, and that you know it's it's a very Stephen Chow film instead of you needing a to cut to spend the effort to cut a trailer, you know, to try and appeal people. And hmm. I think um, that's an okay strategy. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think he's gonna? I mean, the last film he had was CJ Seven, yes, uh, which didn't go over all that well in Hong Kong. Um, and we, we've discussed that before. Do you think that that's a good strategy, um, for Hong Kong audiences? Um, I think the less they show, because the more that he, he, I think the more of the film he shows, the more it seems like, oh, it's just another mainland film. Mm. Um, if they keep Stephen Chow in the making of, if they keep Stephen Chow on those promotional material, including his face and his, you know, the way, what he's saying, um, it, it, they would tell people, yeah, hey, it's a Stephen Chow movie. Hey, really, it's a Stephen Chow movie. And the little bits and pieces actually spells, 
seems a lot more like Stephen Chow film than CJ7 was. Mm, yeah, I don't know. But because when I look at it, it just seems like you've got Xu Qi, you've got Huang Bo, you've got, um, what's his name? Wen Zhang. Uh, Wen Zhang, who's playing uh, Sam, Sam Zhang, the, the, the main the monk. The monk, yes. The monk. Um, and they're all mainland. Well, Xu Qi's a Taiwan actress, but, you know, she's a, normally speaking, Putonghua, I'm assuming, in the film. Um, and <clears throat> with her her colleagues, I mean, we who we don't see we don't see like Chow Yun Fat. We don't see any other um, representatives from Hong Kong cinema except for Stephen Chow. Well, because that's the only Hong Kong representative <laughs> in the film. So there's no other cameos or anything. I wouldn't expect. Even if it is, I wouldn't. I don't know anything about it. But um, no, Lok Ha Ying. I, I think... mean, how can you not have a cameo by Lok Ha Ying in a Stephen Chow movie? Well, who knows? Lock Hang my show. But you know, is it, Steven? He's he's keep this film under wraps, mm. uh, very very tightly. And um, you know, I guess that's his strategy. And um, I guess it, it's a way to tease us. And because the less he shows, then the less he has to convince people. Right now, all it needs to convince people is is a Stephen Chow movie, mm. it's uh, Monkey King, and it's New Year's. And I think working with those three elements, he can he can he can use those to appear rather than yeah. trying to show what's already in the film and using those to try and convince people. Well, he doesn't um, have to sell me. I mean, I'm going to be there. So, and I'm sure yeah. you're going to be there. Um, yeah. Are you going to be in the States? No, no, no. I'll be here on opening day. I'll be, I'll be here opening day. Okay. I'll be, I will be here until the 10th. So I have um, the 7th, the 8th and the 9th to watch essentially all the mm. new, new movies. You're going to book early. That's the yes. one thing I've learned about Chinese new movies. Um, yes. All right. We'll be talking more about that as it, as those films come closer just a couple of weeks off, really. I mean, uh, we're going to blink and Chinese New Year is going to be here. Um, but we've got another film to talk about today. What is that film, Kevin? Uh, today, we'll be talking about the most uh, the most anticipated film of the year that's not directed by Wong Kar Wai, uh, Young and Dangerous Reloaded. All right. All of that and some more coming up right after a little bit of news. <laughs> Or maybe I should say a lot of news, because we do have quite a bit of news to get through. Um, first bit of news coming from the set of, uh, I guess, it's the latest uh, Andy Lau picture. And this bit of news comes courtesy of a gentleman. I won't say his full name, um, but if I'm pronouncing it correctly, it's uh, Ayato. Right? Uh, I'm hoping, I know my Japanese is probably terrible. If that's Japanese, I'm not even sure. Um, but uh, Ayato posted this over in our Chinese language cinema community uh, that's up on Google+. Plus. So if, you are, if you'd like to come in and um, share information or talk about Hong Kong films, we urge you to join that community. Um, he said, the article says that uh, there was a gun battle between Andy and Gordon Lamb, and it scared the citizens in Central. This is... Uh, coming from an article dated January 10th on the site Andy Lau Sounds, <laughs> which is Andy Lau News translated into English. Okay, and Google translated yeah, into English. AndyLauSounds.com. You can't get any greater than that, right? Because um, we all love ourselves from Andy Lau News. But it says, uh, the location shootings of the movie Storm was carried out in Central. Uh, policeman Andy Lau opened fire in the busy streets to catch criminals. Um and so the loud gun firing caused the public to cover their ears and run away, which is pretty much, you know, good advice anytime you hear a loud gunfire. Um, so this is, I guess, a forthcoming film that we'll be seeing 
2013, maybe? When? 2013? When? Or is it 2014? Um, hopefully, yes. He, he has a couple of films. Andy has a couple of films coming. But uh, yeah, this one, um, it's actually not called Storm, but I know which one he's talking about. Um, is that, maybe that's like the working title? I don't know. I mean, it's like, no, that's, the, the whole article is Google translated. So I think there's a Google translated <laughs> version of the uh, Chinese title. I see. But um, what's that? I see. Is it like just, you know, a, a typical Feng Wan kind of a... Yeah, I think it's called Feng Wan or something. Yeah, okay. I forgot what it was. But uh, anyway, Feng Bo, that's what it is, Feng Bo. Mm. But anyway, yeah, it's the new film by um, Alan Yuan, who co-directed Princess D, I believe, and uh, mainly serves as a writer. He also co-wrote The Heroic Duo. Um, so I think this might be solo directorial debut. Um, and yeah, I actually, I don't think Andy Lau is playing a lead role in this film. I think it's only a side role. I think the film stars Yao Chen and, uh, the Chinese star Yao Chen and, uh, someone else, but I don't think Andy has a big role here. Um, anyway, Andy has two more films coming up anyway, at least two more films. He has, uh, the mainland action film Switch that was delayed from, uh, back in September. And also he has, uh, I think I'm hoping he's done with uh, Johnny Toe's Blind Detective, which is why he's working on this one. So uh, at least three films uh, starring Andy Lau, and this one isn't even the biggest one. Awesome. Well, I, you know, I'm all about the Andy Lau films. Um, just too bad. I saw Andy Lau today, actually. Did you? Because it was at the uh, Asian Film Awards uh, press conference, but more on that later. Okay, yeah. Uh, so you were there? Yeah, I was there. Okay, great. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, a lot of uh, Andy Lau films to look forward to. Um, are we going to get a Detective D prequel sequel? The prequel we're getting, uh, Trey Hark's done shooting on that, but it's not starring Andy Lau. I think, um, is it Eddie Peng? No, um, I forgot his name already. Mark, Mark Chow will be playing the Andy Lau. Oh, sacrilege. But Andrew Baby's in it. Oh, well. Yes. Okay. Uh, he's getting better and better. <laughs> oh, Paul, so easy to please. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, uh, next bit of news. Um, this coming from our favorite news site, Film is Asia. Um, some news about Hong Kong. This article is titled Hong Kong to Help First-Time Features. Uh, this article is from Patrick Freider, dated uh, Wednesday, January 16th. So it's actually from today. Uh, it says the Hong Kong government today revealed plans for a new support initiative to help first-time filmmakers. Uh, the measure was announced as part of the first policy address by recently appointed Chief Executive C.Y. Lung. And actually, that address came out today. Uh, they were giving out... Um, flyers in the uh in the mtr on my way to work and i i picked one up and i caught part of the press interview sort of the post address press interview uh, with him this evening during dinner um i i mean i think this is um you know i won't go into a lot of the details here but it sounds like you know a, a nice idea but then i'm thinking back to some of the scandal that they had last year with the film fund and the way it kind of got abused and we talked about that in some of the news segments from previous episodes. So, um, Kevin, you work in film, and you, you know, an aspiring filmmaker yourself. Uh, what do you think of this? Is this going to be useful? The problem with the Hong Kong Film Fund is that the um, Film Development Council, their money has, um, or the government assumes that their money is done as a loan. Um, which means that they expect their money back. They expect their investment to be paid back. The problem is that a lot of the other other countries that they compare themselves to, uh, which is Taiwan and, and Korea, they give the money as grants. They don't 
think about they think about nurturing young filmmakers. Uh, they think about nurturing talent. They don't think about making films that would. Uh, they don't think about investment, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, they 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 their their main goal is to nurture these filmmakers um, and to help them make their films. And um, it, in fact, commercial commercial returns is far from their mind. From what I know, is that they don't think about commercial returns as much. Um, I think Taiwan gives, like, in fact, extra reward if the film makes money, which is natural. Um, here, it just seems like, oh, we're going to lend you this money, but we're totally expecting you to pay us back, which is why what, that's what the audit department had a problem with, is that they expected the money back, and a lot of films didn't pay back the money because, well, shady accounting, bad box office, whatever. And if this is just another, another um, the same thing all over again, then we're going to hear from the audit department again next year mm. or a year after. Yeah. Um, and of course, the other problem is they, they are talking about identifying new talents through a competition of screenplay and production proposals. I, you know, again, the question is, who is who, who are these people who yeah. are reading their scripts yeah. and who are reading these proposals? And what are what is their goal? Is their goal to make money or to 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 nurture, you know, good films instead of just good commercial films? Yeah. And unfortunately, my experience, my limited experience with such things, you know, looking back at the times I participated in um, uh, IFVA and independent film and video um, competition and stuff here in Hong Kong, is that it's such a small circle that typically somebody somewhere knows somebody. You know, it's like somebody who's entering knows somebody on the panel or somebody on the jury. And the whole notion of relationship, you know, the Chinese concept of guanxi or in Cantonese guanhai, plays a factor it, it just does and i it's i i you know it's like you said you you, you want to know who's going to be you know sitting on these counselors or sitting on these juries making these decisions and the likelihood is they're going to know somebody you know they're going to have a a relative or a friend or a cousin or somebody they went to school with or or somebody they taught you know if they taught in a program uh and will that play a factor you know and when money's involved in hong kong I don't know. It gets gets messy, and of course, there's a problem of taste. You know, the the old timers, they they think in a way that just won't connect to to the young. There is yeah. going to be a generation gap. It's true, and then there's also a matter of um, art. What if, okay, if you're too lean artistically, then you will get really artistic stuff. Yeah. If you lean too commercially, then all you get is the same crap, but made by younger people. Yeah, the old timers who think that transmedia is media about people who you know get transgender operations right <laughs> <laughs> all right well we'll have to pay attention and see um if how that develops hopefully it will develop well uh, another bit of news also from film is asia uh sad bit of news uh director oshima uh, nagisa uh has passed away at the ripe old age of 80 he died uh, actually yesterday on january 15th uh, this article also coming from that day by Patrick Frader. Um, <clears throat> the article goes on to talk about some of his works and some of the controversy with some of his works. Um, I think most people in the West, you know, most Americans will recognize him from his film, um, or they, they'd at least recognize his film, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Um, and uh, I think that's probably penetrated the Western market uh, uh, fairly, fairly well. And, uh, but, you know, he was a controversial director. He had, um, you know, he had his film Empire, 
of the senses, which... Um, in the realm of the senses, actually. In the realm of the senses, right. Um, listed here as Empire of the Senses. But, uh, you know, it was a very notorious film, and he actually had to finish production outside of Japan, and it got banned in a lot of places because uh, some of these sex scenes were um, unsimulated, as, as uh, Patrick writes here. Um, or non-simulated, or real, in other <laughs> words, right? Uh, so people actually having sex on camera, which some people would call porn. Um, I, I remember debating about the film in a film class um, and, you know, the nature of, you know, what you do on film. And when you, for me, I always saw it as as unnecessary, what he did, because at that point, if you're having real sex, you're not acting anymore. Your actors are not acting anymore, right? It, it, you don't ask you don't ask actors to really shoot people for real uh, to get an effect on screen. Um, that's wrong. And so, for me, I was kind of in the position that he had crossed the, the line with that particular work. Um, Kevin, have you ever, you know, or do you have familiarity with his work? I believe I've seen one of his older films. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Street of. Uh love and something um but no i haven't i hadn't seen sadly i haven't seen any of his uh the more controversial or in the more famous uh films i do hope to watch in the realm of the senses of course um because it's just one of those films that you know you should watch and make your own judgment and yeah. also um merry christmas to lawrence because i'm a big fan of actually sakamoto, sakamoto lyrici yeah um so i was hoping to be able to catch you know at least those two films but uh no i haven't had the chance yeah um so, you know, uh, sad news, but he was, you know, he was up there. So it's not like he was a, a younger director who, who died too early. It's just kind of sad that he kind of was quiet in, in his recent years. He hadn't made a film in a number of years. Um, look at the articles. It was his uh, last film, 1999, Gohato. 1999, yeah, yeah. Gohato. Um, so... Um, you know, a bit of sad news, but, uh, you know, he's got a legacy, and um, if you're not familiar with his work, go check it out. Uh, next bit of news. Hong Kong Film Critics Society deems no actress worthy of awards. Uh, yes. Kevin, tell us a bit more about this. Yeah, so um, Hong Kong, the Hong Kong Film Critics Society, uh, I guess the third-tier film award of Hong Kong, uh, behind the Golden Bohemia and uh, the Hong Kong Film Awards, decided their latest... Um, picks this year and um so so milky way uh, milky way's uh motorway won best film um the director uh soy chan and um who else was the other guy dante lamb viral factors dante lamb they tied for the best actor award um chapman toe because there is no best best actor and best supporting actor um chapman toe ended up winning the um best actor award for diva um Meanwhile, Romancing in Thin Air won uh, Best Screenplay. And I'm only saying this in a really low tone because I'm just setting up for the surprise here. Because for the Best Actress Award, the group decided that none of the films in 2012 gave actresses any, any, any way to show off their craft or any way to stretch their acting ability. So they decided to ditch the Best Actress Award this year. That's bunk. That's just I'll... utter bunk. Yes, they decided that no actress was worthy or no film was worthy of a Best Actress Award this year. So they did the equivalent of uh, the equivalent of throwing their hands up and said, F it. And just 
Yeah. Right now. But um, before we get into that, um, they the the other the eight recommended films uh, in addition to Motorway, uh, the Bullet Vanishes, the Four, yes, that the Four, uh, Love Lifting. So I think Paul, you you'd be happy about that. Um, but though the Parker Music, my sassy hubby, the documentary, um, One Tree Three Lives, Romancing in Thin Air, and the Viral Factor. So let me get this straight. They've got both romancing in thin air and love lifting in there, but they felt that neither Elaine Kong nor Sammy uh, were worthy of a nomination. Yeah, I know. And um, again, they they also felt that uh, the group, the society, has always had a had a thing against Pano Chan, so they also deemed none of his two films were worthy this year to 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 be recommended. Instead, they recommend they recommend the four because, and I quote. Because the cops eat hot pot every day. Uh, you know, at, at one time, I, I kind of, you know, looked at that society with, with, with uh, longing eyes and, and, you know, hoped to, that one day I could be a member. And after hearing this, I, I, they're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is they have such clear, clear bias and they never seem to hide it because Power Trans only had two um, recognitions from these people. Uh, one's for uh, Love in the Puff uh, for recommended film and also uh, Men Sunny in Black um, uh, for recommended film as well. But otherwise, they always make these, you know, they, they would pick, you know, films that are okay and they do normal things, you know, like A Simple Life. Or, How do you nominate you know, which the is four as the best picture? And they go and throw you, throw, throw you off with something like White Vengeance for recommended film. <laughs> <laughs> or, or something like that because the whole thing is it's not done by voting it's not done by you know typical voting in yeah. that only the people who show up for their eight hour discussion every year actually get to vote so it's always it's like an old boys club where you get like the same yeah, exactly. eight nine people are, are, and they, they have, are there they have are there any women sit around for eight hours to try and to try and convince each other to 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 do you know three rounds of voting and I don't know how they collectively decided that no actress was worthy enough uh, for an award. It's ridiculous because apparently they don't like Sammy, but they like the screenplay of *Romancing Thin Air*. I don't understand it. Yeah, are there any women on the on the the panel? Yes, there are definitely women on that panel. There's one that's very outspoken, a very outspoken female critic that's also on there. So it, I I don't know I don't know what the um, what they were thinking there. Uh, it's a very strange. Just... Maybe they're just trying to be shocking and and get themselves noticed, you know. Like no, oh. I think they're just. I, I'm not gonna. I I want to say something, you know. I want to talk about Hong Kong film critic communities in general, but um, it's a very um strange decision because I mean they even when in their in their explanation or the why they gave Moments in Thinner the best script award, they even mentioned Sammy's character in there, so. Why did they not think that Sammy was that movie? So I don't know why they thought that Sammy, that film didn't give Sammy enough to do. Yeah, I, I think that if you're going to sit there and say that uh, there are no, there are no, um, there there were no performances worthy of a nomination in last year, you're not doing your job. <laughs> well, their reasoning is that they're trying to make it sound like they're talking about the films more than the woman. They're saying, "Oh, you know, plenty of great, you know, great actresses, but none of the film gave them anything to do." It's like then that's that's baloney. That, that's just that's such baloney. garbage. I mean, you know, Love Lifting was was a film that I walked into thinking Elaine Kong playing a weightlifter. 
How dumb is that? And I walked out of believing that Elaine Kong played a weightlifter. You know, sure, you could you could see padding a couple times, but her performance was fine. Um, you know, Miriam in uh, Love and the Buff. That was a good yes. performance. You know what? Two years ago, they gave Miriam the Best Actress Award for Perfect Wedding. <laughs> oh. Perfect Wedding. <laughs> Sorry if I sound a little shocked, but they gave an acting award to a Raymond Lamb, Miriam Yearn movie produced by TVB, and they can't give an award to a Pano Chan movie? Yeah. That, that's the uh, one with Chrissy Chow, right? Did they give her an award? Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. You know, so that's, I, yeah. that, that's, I, I, that's the problem with, you know, small, closed boys clubs, which, you know, it, I'm surprised that if there's a woman in there that she went along with that. Maybe she didn't. I don't know. It'd be interesting to, to Wait, I, be a fly on the wall and look at the notes. Wait, are you saying that no actress, no best actress winner is like CY Learn? I'm just saying. Uh, no comment. No comment. We'll save <laughs> that. Small. We'll save that political talk for scholarism or something. Stop small circle elections. <laughs> All right. Well, Critics Society of Hong Kong, I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something wrong. The four. The four. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right, some further news. We have the Asian Film Award nominations, of which uh, also Andy Lau related, right? Yes, because Andy Lau is the president of the jury this year. Um, he didn't help. Uh, he didn't. He didn't. He wasn't involved with nominating the films, but he will be involved with picking the winners. Um, thankfully, these guys are a little more logical this year. Um, for some reason, uh, they also got to see Johnny Toe's Drug War because it got three nominations, including Best Picture. Um, best editing and uh, on a personal note, best screenplay, um, which uh, includes the name of one of my MFA classmates, Yushi, and is his, his first uh, credited feature film screenplay, I believe. And uh, I'm very, very happy, very, very proud that he got a best best screenplay nomination uh, from his first feature film screenplay, awesome. and a Johnny Toe film, no less. So very proud of him. Um, but actually, that only got three nominations. Uh, the two films that lead in nominations this year is um, Mainland China's Mystery. Directed by Lo Ye, um, which got six, uh, including Best Director, uh, Best Film, and Best Actor, you know, the major awards. Um, or And the Korean film, um, Nameless Gangster, uh, which got two Best Actor nominations and some Best Screenplay and Mostly te Technical Awards. Um, rounding out the Best Film nominations is uh, the, the five-hour Ganglang epic, uh, Gangs of Wasipur from India. Uh, Outrage Beyond from Japan, directed by uh, Takeshi Kitano, and uh, some South Korea, uh, Kim Ki-dok's Pieda. Um, also, some notable, uh, other notable nominations include um, Gui, Guilin Mei for GFBF, and also uh, co nominated along with two co-stars, Joseph Chang for Best Actor, and um, who I call a Taiwanese Tom Cruise for Best Supporting Actor. Mm. Um Two of the female stars for Korea's uh, The Thieves, um, Jianna June and Kim Hae-soo, um, unfortunately only got Best Supporting Actress nominations, even though they were both quite um, prominent in that film. Chaman To, who we just talked about as the winner of the Best Actor Award for D.Va, um, uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Um, other Hong Kong films, let me see. The, um, the Last Tycoon, yay! A film that I worked on. Uh, best production design. <laughs> um, so in a way, I, I'm very 
proud, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, any, anything that anything else that really sticks out for you there, Paul? Anything you see? Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, um, a lot of it is not available here yet. Uh, you know, a drug war. It'd be nice if we could get to see that at some point. Hopefully in March. You know, uh, I, I tweeted earlier today. I said, you know, in the future, um, you know, films films that win awards um, will just be concepts in directors' minds. They won't even, even be screened or even made anymore. <laughs> because it seems like they... You know, more and more you hear about these films going in and getting nominated for stuff that hasn't even played for the general audience. And I know we've talked about this issue before, but it's kind of annoying. You know, it's a it's, little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit. But Drug War was a little bit of a stretch. I mean, all the other films, you know, they've played in festivals, they played around the world, they played in their native countries. I can buy, you know, like like uh, Nameless Gangster. You know, I already watched it on DVD because from Korea. Like Someone in Love, I saw that on DVD. I mean, I saw it in the uh, Asian Film Festival. Outrage Beyond played in Japan already. Pieta, same thing. Gangsta Waspor. But this whole drug war thing, which it, it only played in Venice mm-hmm. um, at the world premiere. It hasn't played anywhere else. And because it played at a festival before December 31st, um, um, so therefore it was okay, which mm-hmm. is um, a little strange. But hopefully by the time they give up the awards, which is in two, not, not for another two months, um, some of us have seen it already finally. And we can finally decide, oh, maybe... It's a deserving film. Hmm. Well, uh, we'll have to just uh, wait and see, I guess. Yep. Uh, last bit of news for this week. Uh, HMV collapses. HMV, what's that? <laughs> Tell H- us more. M- HMV, um, well, I don't really have to explain what HMV is here. Well, you might, to if we've got any American listeners. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. HMV is essentially the... the, the um, Another big chain um, of, of, of record stores, uh, similar to Tower Records. In fact, I would just call them the British version of Tower Records, I suppose. Um, they have a lot of shops around the world, including the UK, here in Hong Kong, uh, Japan, um, elsewhere around the world, Paul, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, they have, they are, I guess, the last giant um, music chain to to be going down. Uh, they've declared for bankruptcy and they couldn't find an investor to save the company. So there's a good chance that a lot of the stores, at least in the UK, will be shutting down. Um, they've already stopped accepting gift vouchers and they also stopped selling gift vouchers. Um, no news on the Hong Kong's what happened to the Hong Kong's uh, eight branches here or six branches in Hong Kong. No news about what happened to them yet because uh, they're independently operated. Um, but yeah, it's sad. I mean, yes, they, they, they're losing to a combination of factors, including rising prices, um, iTunes, but most of it illegal downloading, I would suppose. Um, and you know, it was kind of a matter of time, I suppose. So, um, it's very sad, um, because, you know, that's record stores to me is important because, um, personally, you know, I like buying movies and I like browsing record stores and, and these big chains are as much as they're expensive, as expensive as they are, they're very good for buying catalog titles. Like, uh, recently I was looking for a, uh, CD from a mother that was, that came out maybe two years ago, three years ago. And I tried to go to Moncock to one of these smaller, cheaper, non-chain stores, but they're really bad at keeping old titles and, you know, they're, they only keep stuff that came up in the past half year and it's impossible to find it. So I had to go to one of these chain stores and I managed to find it uh, very easily. Mm. So they, they serve that purpose. And also, you know, you never, there was an article put up this morning uh, about why HMV deserves to be around. And it mentions, it mentions that 
there's a culture where you go to a record store and you hear a song playing and you end up finding a lot of music that way. You know, just randomly browsing record stores and you hear it play on a stereo um, or finding it on a recommended ra- uh, rack or something like that. And and that is a very good way to discover new music. And for me, to be a record record fan, to be a fan of music is to go to record stores and to to browse through shelves and shelves of CDs or records. That is a very much a cultural thing. Yes, even though it has only been around for maybe 30, 40, 50 years, it's still a very um, big part of my my own cultural life, I suppose, my big fan of music fandom. Um, and to me, to lose that would be, be a very sad thing, even though I work for an online retailer. <laughs> I still, I still like. You're the, part of the, the problem. Of walking in a physical store. Yeah, you're part so, of the but... problem. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, the, they used to have a really big HMV uh, over here. They had one actually right downstairs uh, near my office in Admiralty for a while, and they closed up shop. And uh, the one over in uh, Tim Tachoy was huge. And then they closed that and moved it and moved it again. And, um, you know, they've slowly been dwindling over here in Hong Kong. My main problem with them is they were always the most expensive place to shop. Yes. Whether it was for music or movies or video games. They had it all, but they were always had the most expensive prices compared with, you know, even the local chain Hong Kong Records or compared with um, smaller, like, you know, private uh, Hong Kong shops. Um, you know, that, I, that's I, true. That's why I only went to HMB to find older titles that can be easily cataloged. Yeah. I, I mean, I shopped, I bought things there a couple times when I couldn't find it anywhere else, but they were usually my last uh, go to place because they were just too pricey. Um, now, the article that you've put up here from um, CNN, it makes an interesting point. It, it goes through, you know, some of the some of the rationale, some of the reasons that, that Kevin's already talked about, but it, but it does make an important note here. It says, um, singer David Bowie put the importance of the download into focus by releasing his latest single on iTunes last week rather than on CD. Um, so there is even a shift among a lot of artists themselves to, you know, uh, kind of make the jump to digital. And, you know, if you're going to be a brick-and-mortar store and you're not going to have any kind of presence in the digital world, you're going to lose out to iTunes and Amazon because of the convenience and because of the price. I mean, they're just cheaper in some cases. That's kind of sad because, okay, maybe in the UK or in, in Hong Kong, they marked up their prices, right? But actually in Japan, they every store followed the same price. Yeah. They follow the same uh, MSRP. So it's totally sad that HMV gets dragged down because they charge the same price as everyone else. So it's not like they're less or any more appealing. In fact, they should be more appealing. Um, but then they get dragged into this. Um, but, you know, like we're saying, the physical store, idea of physical store is, has been doing the lane because, you know, of the convenience of an online store. But it's just some of those things that true music fans will miss, yeah. you know. Holding that CD in your hand, looking at the line, uh, looking at the the back cover, um, listening to them on the, the big headphones, or you know, like I said, hear, hearing that song that you don't know on over the the speakers, and you want to find out what that is and go and find that record right away. Th- those are things that are important, you know, to for us to discover new music. You know, it's not like we're I'm super hip indie whatever, and I don't go to hidden agenda. I don't go to like listen to indie bands or whatever. So that that to me is very important to discover new music. Yeah. You know, but 
really as an extension, one of the problems that's occurring here with that in Hong Kong is the closure, not just of the big stores like HMV, but a lot, a lot of the smaller chains that sell movies and things. Um, when yeah. I know we've touched on this on a couple episodes in the past, it's getting harder and harder to just find a store to buy local movies. Um, yeah. You know, in the past, just in my area, I had three or four shops I could go to. And now it's down to one, basically. Uh, and if that one goes, there's nowhere in my general vicinity that I can go to buy uh, movies anymore. I'm, I'd have to go somewhere, uh, you know, outside of my district, basically. And uh, that's a shame that that's happening. But, uh, you know, it's hard. I guess it's harder and harder for these companies to make a profit. Well, the thing of music is that, OK, if you when HMV, if HMV in Hong Kong goes down, at least you have at least you have iTunes to make up for it. Um, or desasia.com to make up for it. Yes. But uh, sadly, when it comes to movies, they're not catching up to this digital release thing uh, as, as quickly as they should be. Yep. And it would be a shame that um, um, people who usually go browse movies or want to go buy discount DVDs or who, who um, rely on buying these discount DVDs to find their movies, um, they lose that way and they would turn to some other way that, you know, we don't want, we wouldn't want them to, which is, you know, downloading films. Yep. Ah, uh, the future. It's ruining our lives. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. ruining mine because I'm the expiring film film guy here. Yeah. Uh, you have to make your movies on YouTube like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let us move on and talk about a film. All right, so we only have one film this week, and it's an East Screen film, and that is the latest from Wong Jing, the remake, if you will, or the update, or the reboot, or I don't know whatever kind of term you want to throw at it, of Young and Dangerous, called Young and Dangerous Reloaded. Um, now, this is a, a very famous film series uh, from the 90s that's also based on a comic book series originally, if I have the understanding correctly. Yes. Um, and so this story tells the story of uh, four young friends who grow up in the what would be considered the projects of Hong Kong or public uh, public housing estates. And uh, these four friends end up because, you know, they're not well off, not well educated. They end up um, getting into the Hong Hing Society, one of the major triad organizations um, in this film verse, if you will, um, based on, I guess, uh, you know, a lot of... Uh, real-world triad societies. Um, so they get into this society and they start following, um, you know, uh, a typical older brother. Um, but then they get into a bit of trouble when they happen to accident or happen to off uh, a, a guy who's... It's a bit complex because he's part of another society, but he's getting ready to follow who uh, a guy who's set up as the main villain um, named Quan. And uh, so he's going to join Hong Hing, but on the day he's going to join, uh, the main four characters, um, who are Chang Ho, uh, Chen Ho Nam, Chicken, Po Pao, and um, uh, Dai Tin Yi, they uh, are sort of the, the core four group uh, guys of, you know, the core four buddies. Uh, they end up going out and killing this guy because he ended up raping to death or, or not raping, I guess, sexing to they death. He raped a girl to death, yes. Yeah, he, he basically gave her drugs, um, and, and he drugged her and had sex with her, and she died. Um, 
And so to get revenge, they kill this guy, and it causes a big stir because he was going to be a brother in the society, and it makes his older brother, Quan, angry. So in turn, they have to seek refuge in another of the triad's high-ranking members, Brother B. And so uh, they go to him and ask to follow him, and he sort of takes them under his wing. And so it sets up the the rivalry between um, Ugly Quan and Brother B, who are not the highest ranking. The highest ranking member is uh, Brother Chung. He's the dragon head, for those of you who's seen, who've seen films like Election, right? Um, but they, he, these are guys are, you know, two of his uh, chief lieutenants and they're at odds. And so the rest of the film plays out like most triad films do. Um, there's rivalries back and forth. There's a plot to set up, um, and, 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 uh, take down, uh, some of the good guys, if you will. And, uh, then, you know, there's revenge, revenge and more revenge. Um, if you've seen the original Young and Dangerous, um, it's this film has a lot of the same plot points, but it's not exactly the same. So you'll recognize some of the same characters in some of the same roles, doing some of the same things, but then there are new characters thrown in, and the way that they do some of the resolutions are a little bit different. Um, <clears throat> now going into this, being a Wong Jing film... Anytime there's a Wong Jing film, I'm both excited and scared at the same time. Because <laughs> uh, I like old Wong Jing, and I've learned to not like new Wong Jing that much. Um, but this was better than I expected. But even so, it is still in the shadow of the original, which um, I actually just watched prior to um, prior to seeing the, the reloaded version. Because I wanted to... I hadn't seen it in a while. I wanted to refresh in my mind... Um, the good points and the bad points of that film in contrast with what I was going to be seeing on screen. So we've got a similar plot, but it's not exactly the same. It's got some really fun cameos. There are a lot of people um, that you'll recognize, people like uh, Simon Loy shows up in a small part. You've got, um, uh, let's see, Jim Chim is here, uh, Denise Ho, um, uh, Tommy Hong, um, who else showed up? Uh, they're, they're, in. Yeah, they're, 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 they're spread throughout. But the main core group of guys, all right, you've got uh, Heem Law as uh, Honam, and, and he's problematic, and I'll get, I'll get to him in a minute. Um, playing Chicken, who was originally played by um, Gordon... Um, Jordan Chan, not Gordon Chan, Jordan Chan, excuse me, um, is Oscar Lung... Um, Lung, Lung at Y, who's from TVB. That's all the only place I've seen him. He might have been in a couple smaller film roles. I'm not sure. Maybe Kevin can speak to that. But I've seen him all over TVB. So he's a TVB guy. Um, Alex Lamb, who's been in film, but he's gone to TVB, and he comes back to film. And he actually has a connection to the old Young and Dangerous series that I'll talk about in just a moment. Um, and then a couple other guys. Uh, let's see. Um, Paul Wong plays Brother B, who's okay, and not as, I mean, not as iconic, I would say, as the original Brother B, um, but maybe that's because the original Brother B was an actual, was, he was like actually a triad guy, right? Yes. Um, yes. so, he, um, he's here, and then playing the, the, the main rival, Ugly Quan, is a Sammy Sun from, 
um, Sammy Sum from uh, Lang Kwai Fong 2, right? Yes. yes. Um, and that's another problem that I had here, and, and I'll get into uh, all of that in a little bit. But there's some fun cameos. And my main question is, are we going to be seeing these folks in spinoffs, right? So you've got Denise Ho playing Sister 13, which was the role played originally by Sandra M in in the the earlier films and she got her own film portland street blues so i'm thinking all right are we gonna see a denise ho led film you know down the future because I'm, I'm on board for that i'd be okay with that um and i didn't catch the name at the end but it looked like jim chim chim soyman was playing tai fei and and he had the blonde hair like anthony wong did and um anthony wong got his own spin-off movie called the legendary tai fei um, and I'm thinking, are we going to get a Jim Chim spinoff movie at some point? And, um, you know, that would be kind of interesting. Um, oh, no, Tai Fei isn't in the film. He's not in the film. But I thought they... actually they mentioned him and they said he was off somewhere else. And we kept wondering where he, whether he was going to show Did up or they? not. And then he... okay. Oh, wait. Are you, are you sure? I think so. Are you thinking of the guy who gave the bottles of wine? No, that was that was fat. He, he was uh, fat something. Um yeah, but Taifei was mentioned, but then I was looking forward to see who played Taifei. See, I thought it was that Jim Chim. never showed up, I think. It wasn't Jim Chim. Okay. Might have been Jim um, Chim. I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, I'll have to go back and check. But I think it, I think it might have been Jim Chim because it looked like he was kind of going for the, the look a little bit. But I could be wrong. Um, but anyway, um, the, uh, the the connection here is that Alex Lam, who's playing um, uh, Popan, one of the main brothers... Uh, who was originally played by Jerry Lamb, so it's the Jerry Lamb character um, that, if you remember, uh, Alex Lamb's playing him here. Well, Alex Lamb was in Legendary Taifei. I think he was Taifei's son in <laughs> that film. So just just sort of a weird. If if you're not into Hong Kong film or you haven't seen these films, you're gonna think you're, you're gonna be bored by all this uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of talk. But just weird that uh, you know the small circle he pops up again later in the sequel. Um, so the, the other thing that kind of stands out, and you can see this if you look at the poster, um, the, the tattoos these guys, these guys have are hipster tattoos, right? They're, um, they're all like tribal and stuff. And I'm thinking, man, I want to see the Eakin tattoo, you know, the old dragon thing. I don't want to see these, these, you know, hipsterish tribal tattoos. I thought that was kind of lame. Um, but... Um, there are some similar plot points, as I mentioned. One of the plot points that's there is, uh, if you've seen the original, Chicken ends up getting into this relationship with uh, a minister, and they kind of go along that same plot point here. They take it in a slightly different direction, but then a couple of the things are are very similar uh, that end up happening. Um, the the way that the the rival, the enemy, the the antagonist of the film, Quan, kind of gets dealt with. Um, starts to go in this in in the same direction, and then it kind of goes uh, does a sidestep, um, which is kind of I don't know it's kind of kind of weird and and deja vuish, but um, kind of um, brutal, in, in, much more brutal than the original film in some ways. Um, and there was like I said, there were a lot of additions to this film version that weren't in the original film version. For example, uh, there's a character named Lorraine, who's this rich girl, um, who at first I thought, because they, it seemed like, Kevin, they made a joke uh, relating to some current event news, the news about the, the rich tycoon's daughter who's, uh, who's gay, 
and he offered like a huge reward or somebody to uh, for us for a man to come along and marry her did did they make a re- an allusion to that in the film when they introduced her uh not the gay part but they did mention that yeah the father uh had a had had, a, had like a had he, money out there to, yeah, for the, for the perfect husband or something yeah, but they I, didn't mention the fact that see, she's I gay. thought that they were alluding to that the current event news but then she turned cuz at first she's like with a group of girls and and her sexuality wasn't you know wasn't very clear but then it turns out that she's just a straight girl but and, no, yeah, their sexuality wasn't mentioned at all. Right? It wasn't yeah. a thing. It, the yeah. only thing that was related was the oh, the the, the father put on money for yeah. the perfect husband. That's it. Um, so it was a little bit of a tie to current event news, and the um, her relationship with Honam. She's sort of the the main romantic interest with Honam. I just didn't care for. Um, and if you've seen the original film. Um, you know that there's supposed to be a character who has a relationship with Honam, and she's kind of taking the place of that character here, which was a bit of a disappointment. Um, so uh, th- there's also a, a minister's daughter who I think is played by Jacqueline Chong. Yes. Um, who comes in, and, it's, and it is a relationship for Chicken, which is also different from what kind of happens in the original. The the original, there's this whole sort of betrayal point that was really interesting um, that just doesn't kind of come into play here uh, between the guys. Wait, there was? Yeah. Chicken, did you see the original? Well, no, Chicken, uh, the minister's daughter didn't show up in the until the third film. No, but, but um, what I'm saying is that here there's a minister's daughter, but in the original film, Chicken has a relationship with another gangster's daughter, and that... And you know that becomes a plot point for betrayal between Chicken and Ho Nam. You remember oh, that point in the first film? Yeah. Anyway, first... yeah, one of the films. Yeah, no, that's no, in, no, that's no, in the first film. Um, so here, yeah, they introduce the the minister's daughter um, right off the bat. Um, so you know, it, it's probably not fair to compare the these with the first film, but and I don't know, maybe it was too fresh in my mind. Um, the, the film is kind of brutal in places. Um, there's, there, you know, we, there's two versions playing out. There's a 2B and there's a category three. Uh, the 2B I'm guessing is lacking two scenes. One scene is for violence. There's a, there's a, basically a disemboweling scene, which they use a little bit of CGI and some, I'm guessing pig guts. (laughs) And it's just not well done. Unfortunately, it's nothing. It's not as impactful as say the scene is from dream home. Um, which I could never watch again, I think. Um, I, I wouldn't have a problem watching this scene again because it was just, it wasn't very well put together. Um, so that was kind of lame. Um, but the other reason this is a category three film is that there's actually sex in a Hong Kong movie with nudity again, and this isn't a sex movie. So thank you to Wong Jing for finding actresses or an actress who was willing to, uh, uh, you know, uh, do the sex scene and... Uh, do it in a movie that's not a sex in 3D movie. Um, not that I'm a big aficionado of that, but it's you know it's just nice to be able to say, hey, there's nudity in this film for a change. Yeah, um, but Winnie Learn has done a done a scut movie, so same thing. Yeah, well, it, I wouldn't compare Wong Jin with scut. <laughs> <laughs> but at least uh, they found they found an actress from a scut movie, so they knew they were, where they were look yeah. they were looking. Um, <clears throat> so anyway. Um, it's the, the the main problems I had with this film was there's just no chemistry, really, between the four guys. 
there's not like really a whole lot of interaction. I mean, they each kind of get their own moments on screen, but you never really get this sense of camaraderie, this sense of buildup between them that the original had. And the like, like I mentioned, it's a bit of a spoiler, but the betrayal plotline isn't in this film. They don't go in that direction. So um, you don't really get the sense of connection between them. They try and build the connection between the guys and Brother B, um, but even that, it doesn't get built up as much. I didn't feel that connection as much as I felt in the original film. Um, so th that was one of my problem. I think my biggest problem with, with the film was just, you, you've got these guys, these are the main characters, but they don't really seem to have this sense, uh, a sense of chemistry. The villain, uh, Sammy Sum, he made this feel much more like it. I was watching Lan Kwai Fong 3. <laughs> um, I just, you know, you have this table of old guys, you know, um, well, Timmy Hung's not that old, but you know, you've got Jim Chim, you've got some of these older, uh, gangster bosses at this table and Sammy Sum was just doing such an over the top, um, crazy, you know, I, it's one of these characters that's so crazy that it's obvious he's crazy and the people around him can see that he's crazy uh, the way he talks is crazy. The way he dresses is crazy. Nobody was going to put this guy in power. Um, you, you know, and Francis M originally did the role. And Francis M had a sense of crazy, but he was more mature. He, he, was, he was crazy, but he didn't go super over the top. Yeah, endlessly yeah. over the top. This this portrayal was just too, almost cartoonish. It was so over the top. And, and it took away from some of the, some of the believability that people would trust this guy to, you know, take over the organization. Um, uh, so yeah, this play when he's on screen, I'm, I felt like I was really watching Lan Kwai Fong 3. Um, I did like the comic transitions. They kind of do sort of a Marvel superheroes thing where they've got, they're using actually the comic book art for some transitions. They did this in the original when they introduced the characters and they did that here, but they also do it at various points to the movie. Um, as trans transitions, and, and I like comic books, and um, and I like that. Um, but I, I've never read the comic books. Um, to my knowledge, they, you know, they never were have been made available in English. Um, you know, I remember reading the old uh, Jade Man English releases like Bloodsword Dynasty and stuff back in the day, and I really loved those, but I don't think they've ever done um, The Young and Dangerous in English translation. Have you ever read the comics, Kevin? No, no, I'm not a big comics guy, so no, I never read. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the my main question is, why no original cast cameos? I mean, you've got all these guys still around, still acting. Francis is still around. Okay, maybe he's too big. But, I mean, you know, he did the... What did he do, that crazy movie with uh, Michael Say? Um, Turning Point. He did the Turning Point movie, right? <laughs> um, Simon Yam's still around. Right, Passion Island. Come on, Simon. You can you can take time to come in and do a cameo. Um, you know, Eakin's still around. Maybe Eakin's too big. Michael Say, he could. You know, he's still kicking it. Um, Jordan Chan, haven't seen him do all that much. Uh, Jerry Lamb, he's mostly you know shown up in TV commercials for Park and Shop and stuff. Right. Actually, the the reason is is quite simple. Um, because Wang Jing made it very clear when he first kicked off the project is that he doesn't want anyone to try and associate the people with the original franchise. Which but, I know, yes, it, it confuse it, it doesn't really quite work from what the cameos towards the end. But I think to have 
to have at least characters who already exist in the original franchise or or they were already recasted and to bring those back would just simply ignite too much memories of the original franchise and launching apparently really didn't want to do that but he already failed because he had uh alex man yes i know alex Lam, that's a major the only reason because his character you can he can he can he's like he can cross dimensions okay? he's playing yeah. the same character right but he already <laughs> recasted the other characters yeah so so it'd be very weird to have different actors playing the actors from the original franchise not playing the original characters yeah, so I mean, he, he didn't I, but want to still, it would be that it, memory. Apparently. You know, it'd be, and and, and Ikan already, already swear that he would not never do another young and dangerous film again. But it would be fun, you know, just yeah. sort of like a you know, like the Johnny Depp cameo in, in Jump Street, right? It's sorry, did I just yes. spoil something? <laughs> sorry. Oh no, um, that was great. I thought that was hilarious. But yeah, you're right, you're right. I mean, I but you were asking why, so that's the reason. Yeah, but not a should good there reason. have been cameos, more cameos from the original cast? Sure. I mean, yeah. I thought Alex Man was awesome. Alan, yeah, Alex yeah. Man was a really um, great cameo, I thought. If you um if you only see one triad movie, I'm gonna tell you to go watch Triad. <laughs> um and I know Kevin's gonna disagree with me. If you see two Triad movies, then go watch Triad, and then watch the original Young and Dangerous, or watch the original Young and Dangerous, and then watch Triad. Um, if you see three Triad movies, then you can see this. Uh, I'd say TV it. Although I, I'm kind of on the border. I, you know, because I'm I'm just so happy that Wong Jing made a normal movie, normal Category Three movie. Um, that I'm kind of on the fringe. I mean, if you like. You know, if you want to go back to sort of a, a somewhat older f- nostalgic feeling of Hong Kong before they got so conservative when it was okay to show boobs and, and have a sex scene in a normal non-sex movie, um, I'd say see it just for that. But um, otherwise, yeah, it's a solid TV if you like gangster films. Kevin, give us your spin. Okay. Uh, well, first, uh, credit where it's due. The film is directed by Daniel Chan. Um, who also directed Triad. Uh, Wong Jing was a producer on this only. But do you think, uh, I mean, do you think that Wong was kind of looking over his shoulder saying, uh, you kind of got to do it like this? No, clearly not, because there is some definitely some stuff that uh, a Wong Jing hand could have actually improved. Uh, for example, the acting. Um, this was a very done by very, very amateur hands, you could tell. Um, definitely Daniel... Chan film, definitely a younger director film because there's a lot of stuff that Wang Jing wouldn't make the mistake, including pointing the boom at the right place. <laughs> um, but he was on set for some of the scenes um, because Manfred Wong, there's you know there are pictures on Weibo. Manfred Wong, um, who who of course wrote the original franchise, uh, was credited as screenwriter here. Although I, I expected that he would also have a lot of young writers writing for him uncredited. Um, but yeah, Manfred, it's good to see those two reunite for this. Um, but yeah, credit where it's due. It's it's directors Daniel Chan, um, and I want to say this because I'm I'm about to compare it to Triad. But anyway, maybe it's because I haven't seen the original Young and Dangerous uh, in years. But this is nothing compared to that. I mean, I know Young and Dangerous wasn't that great of a film. In fact, I think one wasn't my favorite of the franchise. It was always three. Um, so still, um, at least better than Triad. It is better than Triad because it embraces how trashy it is. It is unlike Triad, which felt like they stretched category three uh, from category two B film. This is a category three film. They run as far as they can um, within their ability and try to be as trashy as possible. And I really like that for some reason. Um, 
everyone in the cast was okay, except Himlaw. Himlaw is like, even when Himlaw is the center of the scene, it feels like he's in the background. That's how little presence he has as an actor. Um, except at one point when it reveals that he has big, a bigger chest than the, than the female lead. <laughs> that, that was a very strange moment for me. But, <laughs> but yes, um, Himlaw is terrible with Cheng Ho Nam. He has no no presence whatsoever. It made Ikin Chan look like a charismatic leading man. It look, it's not like Ikin Chan did that much in the Young and Dangerous movies, all right? He just showed up in a leather jacket and had more, more scenes of Gigi Lai, which made him the lead actor. Here, Him Law doesn't even feel like the lead actor in his own movie. It's it, it's a very strange thing. But yeah, um, Oscar Learn was okay. Um, Bao Pei, uh, what's his name? I'm sorry, something, what's what's the actor's name again? For, for Bao uh, Pei, it was... Um, Alex Lam. Uh, Alex Lam, Lam DC, yeah. He was okay. You know, he's a uh, veteran of the of the Stephen Chow films. Yeah. So he's been around for a while, and he does the comic relief thing well. And the plot is okay. And even Sammy Sum, you know, it, it feels like no one could tone him down, including the, uh, no one could tone him down because no one had the, had, the, had the idea that they could restrain him a little bit. But it was really fun to watch him. Even though he was really annoying, uh, you know, over the top. Did you did you know, Paul, that his character is supposed to be forty years old? It's not possible. You know, it's just not possible. <laughs> yes, in the opening, uh, in a freeze frame, he's supposed to be uh forty years old. But yes, it was very strange to see him doing that, with the hunch and the hunchback thing, and, and it was very very uh, amusing. Um, but him law, Christ. Okay, fine. You can continue the franchise. Just just recast him. Bring back William Chan. I don't mind. See, that's okay. why that's one of the reasons why I think Triad is a superior film because I felt the sense of camaraderie amongst the guys in Triad and I'm not a huge William William Chan fan, but I thought he did very well in, in the role. I liked the acting. I liked uh their, you know, the older brother, the relationship what was it? A Patrick Tam who was their older brother in that film. Um it it just seemed it seemed to work more. It seemed like there was a whole lot more chemistry. Um, and, and I liked that they, it was more of an updated story in terms of what the guys were doing, the ways they were making money and, you know, sort of that whole stylish, it felt more fresh. I mean, it wasn't, it was no more original than what we're seeing here really, but some of the, you know, some of the things felt fresh. I mean, here they made fun of stuff like, you know, the, they try to, you know, the, the, the first task that brother B gives them is they've got to go out and recruit like a hundred guys or something. And so they're going around and, um, you know, they approach some students and, you know, in the old days and in, in, in the old films, it would be, you know, you go up to a bunch of, you know, school kids playing hooky and you recruit them, right? You, you, you show them how tough you are here. Like the kids are all off to scholar to a scholarism protest. And that part made everybody in the audience laugh. Um, the, the screening I was watching, you know, cause scholarism for those who aren't aware, it's like this. Uh, political movement by young high school students um, who are, you know, against the changes to the educational curriculum coming in from mainland China and stuff. So it's very political, but it's got a lot of student. It's lit a fire under a lot of students um, to get out and, and protest and things like that. So it's funny to see that, you know, kids today are more interested in going out and and protest than following a big brother anymore. I I, I thought that was funny. Well, yeah, but the problem with Triad is that it wasn't an honest. Okay, it's it's fine to try a film, and, and you know it, it's the thing is when I when I watch a wanting produce young and dangerous film, by now I don't really care about like give me a good story, give me good filmmaking, right? Um, it's like I said, I, I appreciate that it was honest with itself, 
and that you know it was trashy and that yes it went all the way as a category free film instead of try it which stretched itself to a category free film just to sell tickets if, if that you know you know what i mean because try it was clearly made as a category 2b film but then it was then for they forced it they added a couple of things in there and, and say yeah look this is a hardcore category free film but it's such a dishonest way of trying to sell the film and so I, I, I kind of really had a problem with that. You know, the whole thing about trying to reinvent the genre, but then it was totally just doing everything that is done before. Um, here, it was just trying to be trashy. And I, I, I had fun with that. Um, but of course, yes, it's, it is totally, it, it is a terrible film. It is not as good as Triad, quote unquote, good. But I enjoyed it more than I did with uh, Triad as true. Um, again, I was talking about the problems with the, with the story. Um, a lot of the, the, the characters in the original series, they showed up natural places. Like, like let's say, um, even Daifei in the second film. He was a villain, and then he naturally evolved into a good guy, which is over the, over the course of the franchise. It felt natural. Yeah. Um, uh, it was kind of fun to watch Anthony Wong turn from bad to good. Um, like, and like we were talking about, the Reverend's daughter didn't show up until a third film. And their relationship, her, her relationship with, with, um, with, with uh, Chicken... They it evolved over the films instead of you know trying to force it in. Here, characters just show up because they're asked to, not because they're required to. This like, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's time to bring out the Reverend's daughter. Here's the Reverend's daughter. Oh, it's time to bring out Quan. Here's Quan. Because in the original franchise, Quan, their their rivalry with Quan goes way back to the beginning of their their, their origins. Yeah. And here it's just like, oh yeah, we have to put in Quan because he's the bad guy. So we have to put him in. And yes, it felt really forced in. It felt too much like like a reboot for the sake of rebooting, right? Um, uh, as for the, the, like I was saying, the trashy stuff, sorry, I like cussing. I'm amused by Cantonese cussing. And I was, I was, I was in like heaven. Every other line had like a Cantonese bad word and I was enjoying <laughs> the hell out of it. Um, and the sex scene? Oh no, yeah, just, just the one sex scene. Sorry. Uh, and done by Winnie Learn. I mean, yes, there was a time when Winnie Learn would never show, show her nudity, including the sex and chopsticks movies. And it was like a whole total tease thing. And now she's she's done it in the scud film. And now she's doing it here because she's done it in the scud film. So therefore, it's okay to do it here. Yeah, it just felt like, okay, well, um, only one scene and only her. Okay, well, I appreciate it, but, you know, come on, right? <laughs> Sorry, I sound like a pervert, but just not. I, we were promised category free goodness, and if they were going to deliver on the cussing, if they were going to partly deliver on the on the disembowelment, the the violent stuff, you have to go all the way, right? You're category free. You're making your film to be category free. So why just why just cuss a lot? You gotta go all the way. Well, they did. Um, like I was saying, Daniel Chan uh, hasn't proven himself to be a very good director yet. Um, maybe it's the budget. I mean, neither um, Triad nor you know, Young and Davis were made on a on a on a big budget apparently young and dears made a very very small budget um maybe just two mil i think two mil hong kong which is very small um maybe it's the bosses watching him behind the back um who knows um he has a lot he still needs to prove um and i hope that one day he would finally you know maybe he would do like a a non-triad film and, and a film where he doesn't get his film reshot twice twice over uh, and he finally proved himself, but until then, I still don't think Daniel Chan is that great yet. Um, I don't want a sequel, actually. Like I said, if it, if it means seeing him law as Chang Ho Lam again, I don't want a sequel. Um, sorry, reboot again. <laughs> Give me a different cast. Uh, go trashier. Um, um, I don't think the the side characters are good enough for. They're not quite brewed 
well brewed for for spinoffs yet. So um, continue the same cast, but you know, recast a couple of characters, uh, including Kim Law, and maybe maybe okay, you maybe got a franchise going and go trashier, 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 trashier. Don't worry about Hong Kong. Just think about. Think about the evil white people, you know, across the sea, looking looking to see violence and, and sex and all that crap. And, you know, you get your formula right there. Um, at least now I know that Triad was kind of boring in comparison because I was laughing my ass off throughout the entire film. Like you said, like Paul, you were saying, there are some really good jokes, good humor in there. Um, there's a lot of unintentional humor, including a scene where uh, you have these people dubbed over, dubbing over possibly native English speaker with really bad English. Like, Hey baby girl, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Strange. So, um, <laughs> so that was like, that was worth a laugh. Um, but yeah, I actually, so I have fun with it, even though it's really bad. So I say TV it, you know, rent it on VCD or buy a VCD, you know, rent it on DVD, whatever. Watch it on TV is where it belongs. Yeah, and I'd be interested to hear from somebody who's read the comics to see if this version is actually more in line with the the story in the comic or the, you know, the original version with Ekin is more in line with the story in the comic. But actually, the, the comic book artist uh, did give his "quote unquote" blessing. He did a he did an illustration um, for the promotion of this film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder if they're giving away like any like little toy knives or anything, because that was a thing back in the day, right? You'd go to a, like you'd buy the comic book and it'd be have like a little toy knife or toy blade as a keychain, as a souvenir, and then they'd give the similar things out at the midnight screenings and stuff, and. Uh, uh, that's another issue is like a lot of the screenings at different places where this is showing, they're only showing late night. Um, it's not getting, you know, a, a wide uh, area of play. In the film is, is being shown um, at 12 a.m., 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. at the China Chem Cinema. Out in uh, East Team Sachet, which was like the hotbed for tri activity. And I would love to go on one of these shows if I didn't <laughs> care for my life. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth in the chat room says, Yeah, toy knife, toy knife wrapped in newspaper. <laughs> That's what you need. Um, he also says, Love that in older Hong Kong movies, too, and the Guaylos are clearly dubbed by Chinese speakers in English. I still say the worst scenario of this, and we watched it the other day, was. Uh, in uh, Andy Lau's movie, recent movie, uh, What Women Want, with uh, Michael Wong, or no, Russell Wong, excuse me, Russell Wong, being uh, terribly dubbed in English. And he speaks English. He speaks great English. Yeah, I saw um, the Mandarin version of it. Yeah. He wasn't dubbed. Um, so, anyway. Well, there, you know, there it is. If you are uh, in the mood for uh, a bit more triadism, uh, you might want to just check out the, the Guwak Zai Reloaded, or as we call it here in English, Young and Dangerous uh, Reloaded. Um, as far as sequels go, uh, I like I said, I'd, I'd be excited to see like you know Jim Chim Chim or or one of the supporting characters get a sequel. Denise Ho, I think, would be really interesting to see her do the Sandra movie. I, I did check, by the way. Um, Jim Chim plays a character named Jim. Jim, okay. Yeah, so Taifei, Taifei so, mentioned, but not. I guess they they were re- getting ready for a big cameo for mm, Taifei. Didn't so happen. Maybe, yeah, so it didn't happen. But maybe next film. 
Okay, yeah. Um, it make also makes me wonder, too, like, you know, because, you know, back in the day, you know, with these roles, like, Eakin and Jordan were still pretty young neophyte actors. So now I'm envisioning, like, if we go, if we, if we lead on, if, if paths follow the same paths over the next, you know, decade or two, does this mean that, like, Heem Law is going to do a remake of My Wife is 18 in a couple of years? Oh, my God, don't even bring up that possibility. <laughs> that just scares me. You know, or, um, uh, who is it, uh, you know, um, uh, Oscar Lung, who's playing Chicken, he's going to go on and follow. Mary Sherry the... Ying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the mind boggles. All right, so I think that's going to do it for our review and discussion of Young and Dangerous Reloaded. So let me play this. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. All right, so question in the chat room. Is the Young and Dangerous Reloaded cast household names anywhere on TV, uh, singers, or pretty much unknowns? Well, um, if we look at, I mean, Heem Law is, uh, I mean, he's not an unknown. He's been on, he's been on one TVB drama last year that wasn't a huge, huge drama. Films. Hmm? He's done Patrick Kong films. Yeah, he's and he's done Patrick Kong films. He did the Wong Jing film with uh, Chrissy Chow, right? Uh, Hong Kong Ghost Stories. And a marriage with a. Oh, marriage! No, that's Patrick Kong. Uh, but wasn't that also Wong Jing? No, 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 no. Well, produced, but, but produced, no, yeah, that okay. was Patrick Kong. Um, yeah. uh, also, <laughs> Love is the Only Answer. Yeah, so at so... least two, at least two Patrick Kong films. Um, um, he was also in. Hong Kong Ghost Stories, the yeah. Patrick Kong version, uh, Patrick Kong half, of course. Um, and yes, one TVB drama. Um, he was terrible sure in that was. too. He was like the worst character in the whole drama. That was yeah. the one with... Um, but uh, of course, uh, Lam Zee, he has been around since um, Shaolin Soccer. Uh, right? Yeah, well, even before. I King mean, of Comedy, yeah. King of yeah, Comedy was yeah, his first yeah. Stephen Chow film. So a couple of Stephen Chow film, lots of lots and lots yeah. of side roles. He's been around the longest, actually. And, and he's Oscar bounced Lern. in and out of TVB dramas. Um, Oscar Lung's all over TVB last year. Really? Um, yeah, he's he's been he's at least in two or three uh, TVB dramas from last year. Smaller supporting roles, not you know main lead roles. Um, Philip Eng, um, of course, lots of supporting roles. Uh, he was the action choreographer of this. He's gonna also gonna be in the next um, Wang Jing production directed by um, Wang Jing Po. Once upon a time in Shanghai, um, Wang Jing is trying to push him to be the next big action star. So he's you know he's getting like starring roles next yeah. to Sammo Hong, and, and he um, was also in Beach Spike as the most intense volleyball volleyball coach ever. <laughs> that, that, that's right, I remember that. Um... One guy I haven't seen too much of is that was the fourth brother, the one that was played, I guess, by um, Michael Tse in the original. Uh, his name is Dominic Ho. Yeah, I'm not familiar with him either. Uh, yeah, let's see. He was in 
Uh, Vampire Warriors, Beach Spike, Love is the Only Answer. Oh yeah, Him Law was in Beach Spike. Now that I mentioned it, now that you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's uh, he he was also in Triad. It says here. Um, I so had he said, no idea. he said, but Paul smaller, on, of course, Paul on is multi members of Beyond. <laughs> yeah. He's he's the king, he's the god of rock in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. So. and he actually played guitar a yes, little bit, which is why he plays guitar in the film. Yeah, because he's Hong Kong's god of rock. He also, is, you know, the husband, the, the, the father of Athena Chu's baby. Oh, don't tell Sandy that. So sorry, yeah. Sandy will hate you for him bringing that up so sorry but he's the god of rock in hong kong sandy isn't sorry anyway um yeah so <clears throat> so yeah um yeah yeah I, I think oscar lung did a pretty good job as chicken yeah he was fine he was he, good he, he was he, i mean he, he kind of he he wasn't copying jordan chan but he he brought a similar sensibility to the character i think yeah, yeah. um so i think he kind of stood out amongst the guys for me um, but, uh, you know, are we going to see more of these guys in the future? Probably. Heem Law, I mean, he's eye candy. That's one of the main reasons. Um, but he doesn't sing as far as I know. So I don't think God, he's... I hope not. I, don't, I, don't, I hope he doesn't sing a karaoke. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, yeah. So comments, if you would like to uh, leave us some comments or be part of the show, uh, please head over to Kongcast.com and that's K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T.com and you can leave us some messages over there. Um, you can listen to old episodes and you can find out ways to get in touch with us. We are also on iTunes and you can drop us a line over there if you would so like. Uh, and we're on Twitter, twitter.com slash Kongcast is, uh, for the show and show updates, twitter.com slash Foxlore. If you're interested in, uh, following any of my ramblings, but I would urge you to follow Mr. Ma over at twitter.com slash the golden rock. That's one word, the golden rock. Uh, he constantly tweets about movie news and updates and all kinds of interesting stuff, so please follow him. Uh, Gmail, if you'd like to get in touch with us directly, the email is eastscreen at gmail.com. You can drop us a question, leave us some comments, you know, uh, just get engaged in some dialogue with us if you want. I mean, um, sometimes people want to ask us a question, but they don't want us to read it here on the show. That's fine, too. And if you'd like to do a short review, you know, drop us in an audio file, keep it short and sweet, and we'll play it here on the show. Facebook, we are also on Facebook, facebook.com slash East S, West S, and uh, Kevin keeps us updated over there. We've got a Google Plus community. It is called the Chinese Language Cinema Community. We've just been up and running a little over a week, I think, or so, and um, slowly getting some people filtering in there. Um, so if you're on Google+, Plus, um, drop a line in there and catch us in there. And if you're going to be passing through Hong Kong, uh, get in touch with me through Google+, Plus and let me know if you're interested in coming out to one of the Love HK Film movie nights or movie matinees that we have from time to time here in Hong Kong. Um, I can get you, uh, get you in on that circle because we keep that as sort of a closed circle. Um, but if you're interested and you're going to be here, let us know, and we'd be happy to have you come out and join us. Uh, you can catch us on Stitcher. Listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, and your WebOS phones. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher smart radio, it's the smarter way to listen to radio. We thank them for their support. Uh, additional thanks go out to Rob Gubbins of Snauzer Studios for our theme. Um, just a quick mention, too, that he's got a forthcoming album uh, that's going to be coming out, and I'll be sure to post links and more notes about that album uh, as it comes due. I think he said February. 
if I remember correctly, in some of his posts. Of course, uh, Ross Chen of LoveHKFilm.com uh, for keeping us out and engaged uh, with our movie nights. Um, a big thanks again to Johnny Feisty for our song about Kevin, Kevin's song, as it's commonly known now. Um, so please follow him. He's Johnny Feisty on Twitter, and you can find out more about his work through there and through his websites. We'll post the notes up. And of course, thanks to you, all the listeners, whether you listen to us in the chat room like uh, Kenny B or Sleazy K, as he's sometimes called, um, you know, the, the the guy who's over there in Europe doing that whole podcast on fire or network on fire or zaniness on fire or uh, Category 3 stuff on fire. You know, he's got so many shows, it's just hard to keep track of everything. Um, but it's good, good stuff. I, I'm, I've got so many shows to listen to. I just caught up on their uh, Christmas episode, and they talked about, um, you know, some of their favorite movies from Christmas. So a lot of times they talk about stuff from Asia, stuff from Hong Kong, but stuff from elsewhere too. So interesting listening, so uh, be sure you check them out as well. Next show, 138. Wow, we've done 138 shows. Um, and I think, we're, what are we going to be talking about? Yeah, what are we going to be talking about? Um, lots of West Green. Oh, we were talking about The Last Stand, starring my former governor, Arnold. Um, also, the directorial debut of Kim Ji-Woon, who directed uh, The Good, The Bad, The Weird, uh, Tale of Two Sisters, um, uh, I Saw the Devil. So very exciting uh, for me. Also, I'm hoping to catch um, the new Quentin Tarantino film, Django Unchained, and uh, yeah, other all sorts of other stuff. Oh, also, yeah. Gangster Squad. Yeah. Which it's, is the poor man's version of L.A. Confidential, apparently. It's not a tumor. It's not. <laughs> Sorry. Like, oh, that's <laughs> terrible. Um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to The Last Stand. Um, if you'd like to hear more of me, please check out the Valentine cast. They were uh, nice enough to have me on as a guest on their show earlier this week. That's uh, Jay and Renee Valentine. They've actually been on this show before. We had them on last year talking about The Help and I'm hoping, I haven't, I haven't arranged it with them, but I do want to get them to come on and talk about uh, their thoughts on Django Unchained once we actually uh, get that here and get a chance to see it. Um, but yeah, next time will be The Last Sand, and um, what's after that? We, we, we've got The Tower, is that right? Yes. Is that next Tower, week or the following week? Um, of course, more and more Oscar bait movies. Uh, yeah. Also, Oscar you, bait. Paul, you finally get to see Lost in Thailand at the end of the month. Woohoo! Lost in Thailand. Can't wait for that. Um, Got to get my Wongbo fix in before the Chinese New Year starts, because then we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have the Monkey King movie, and uh, we're gonna have uh, all the other Chinese New Year madness to try and work through. And then you'll be off to the states. So it's a full plate. We got a lot to get through. But uh, we're glad that you are all out there listening to help us get there. So all of that and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing. And we'll see you next week. See you next week, everybody.